Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, football, it will be over. Boo-hoo. But NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they're back in there in full swing. And the only place you should be betting is on these sports is at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, it even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. So what are you doing? Head to BetOnline right now. It has hundreds of props and real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, don't forget that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag and head to their website to use the mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. At betonline.ag, 50% welcome bonus in the first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. I hope you're recovering from a Super Bowl right now. I hope you're recovering from the carbs and all the cheese right now because we have a very special guest with you. We're not talking football today. We're Chicago. We're talking Chicago Bulls basketball. I'm here with Nick Schultz. He's the new host of Believe in Bulls and the Believe Podcast Network. Nick, welcome to the pod. How are you today? Joey, I'm doing great. Uh, Super Bowl was... Uh... Not what I expected last night. I'm glad we're not talking a lot of football. I was heavy Chiefs. But no, it's great to be here talking Bulls basketball. It's it's good to be excited about Bulls basketball again, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's been actually a really pleasantly surprising season and that's hard to say because i believe that what they're eight and 13 right now eight and 14 heading into this week's action so it's hard to wrap your head around that but we're going to dive into a lot of those details first just to get us started let the good people know a little bit about what you're going to be bringing to the table for believe in bulls and the believe podcast network coming up through the rest of the season yeah man so i just graduated from loyola chicago in may of 2020 and it was just a great time to graduate in the middle of a pandemic And I talk about all the Chicago sports on uh, my weekly radio show on Loyola student radio station, WLUW. So I've been following the Bulls pretty closely, both as a fan and from a journalistic standpoint as well. But now being able to talk just NBA every week, like I've definitely become more interested in the NBA over the years. And I'm really excited for this new opportunity. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got a lot of guests I'm going to have on down the road once we get this thing rolling. It's taken me a little bit to find my footing just with New format, new everything, but I'm, I'm really excited for it. Well, congratulations, man. You definitely got a fan in me and a supporter here on Believe in Betting Chicago. And Appreciate let's talk you. about these Chicago Bulls real quick, because, yeah, around this time of the season, we're already at the point where we start kind of like looking at the lottery chips. And I start watching Cleveland Cavaliers basketball and hoping that they win so that we can further plummet down to the bottom of the standings. That really hasn't been something that's happening the last couple of years, but this year, this is a bit of a different Bulls team. Obviously, new head coach. The, the record isn't exactly where we would like it to be. They are a bit in the hunt for an eighth seed. They are looking at a play-in tournament situation. So let's just start right here. Over this past week, they played the Knicks twice. They played the Magic twice. They went two and two. You know, if you could just recap maybe for some listeners that didn't get a chance to watch Bulls basketball over the week, what's your takeaway from that two and two uh, record over the last four games? Well, you know, starting with the Knicks games, it's great to see uh, Tom Thibodeau come back to town. I always love seeing Tibbs back in town. I I said this on the podcast last week. Tibbs, when he was coaching, was like my peak Bulls fandom. Like I was born in July of 98. I don't remember the Michael Jordan days. I missed him by like a month, I think a month or two. So I didn't get like the glory days in there. So my glory days was with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson and Tom Thibodeau. So that always was special to me. And I like the way they came out against the Knicks, but it's really tough to beat this Knicks team when Julius Randle is red hot like he was. He was when he started draining threes, I'm like, this is over. 
they're not going to win this one just because you're not going to beat Julius Randle when you're down Wendell Carter Jr. And then the Magic series, I really thought that first game was going to go better. But, I mean, the ball just bounced the wrong way, and Kobe White didn't have a great game that first game. But the second game, when they bounced back and just manhandled the Magic, that was really good to see a bounce-back win. That's at least the second bounce-back win for the Bulls this year. And they didn't bounce back under Jim Boylan. When they lose, they keep losing. Under Billy Donovan, they've been rebounding. They've been bouncing back, not to mix my terms here. They've been bouncing back, getting these victories after tough losses. And that shows you just the amount of growth that's taken place in the, in the last year. And this roster is basically the same outside of Garrett Temple and Patrick Williams. That's it. So I think it is a playoff. They are a playoff caliber team. It's a matter of getting to that point And like Billy Donovan keeps saying, learning how to win. And I thought this was actually a really important week over this past stretch here for the Chicago Bulls. And, and I'm in agreement with you. There was progress but there still is a lot to be gained as you just illustrated in those games I was not shocked that they did not beat a Tom Thibodeau team twice in three days that that did not shock me you know after that first game the Knicks came back they they kind of cinched it up defensively as you mentioned Julius Randle was just tough to handle inside and outside just a really good basketball player just a great four in the NBA right now the magic game was tough you know that first one obviously you know they were trailing most of that game they came back came down to the wire a little bit, lost a tough one. They've had a couple of those tough losses this season. And as you mentioned, the team is still trying to get over that hump, learning, winning ways. Those types of things are going to be happening. And then obviously an excellent performance in that fourth game. And I was just kind of hoping as we were texting and, and scheduling this interview before, I was just kind of hoping, you know, could they put a three three and one week together against these type of teams? And They came I've close. Said, yeah, and they did. They came really close. And I said this on the pod previously all I wanted for the Chicago Bulls team was just get into February, a couple of games under 500, nothing crazy, you know, nothing that would crater your entire season. And they kind of did that. You know, they came into the, the month about three games under 500. And now this February schedule, I'm kind of looking at it and I see a lot of opportunity. There's more teams like the Magic and the Knicks. You know, there's Charlotte's on there. There's the Wizards on there. There's a lot of teams that are very beatable in this next month. My question for you is, do you think this team is ready to maybe take that step and maybe walk into March a little bit closer to this playoff contention right now? Or do you still see a team that, you know, one step forward, two steps back, a little bit inconsistent, hard to read at this point in the season? So that's tough to answer. I'm going to give you two answers. My first answer is with the roster makeup like it is right now, I think they're close, but they're not all the way there in terms of fighting for that playoff spot consistently, night in, night out, and not taking, like you said, one step forward, two steps back. They're a young team. I want to say I'm older or just as old as three guys in the starting lineup, and I'm 22. That just puts it in perspective how young they are. Yeah. So you've got to take that into consideration. Now, if anything changes at the trade deadline, there's a lot of smoke out there surrounding Lonzo Ball. There's been rumors about Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. I hate – I kind of hate that I'm talking myself into it, but I kind of dig it. I kind of – like the Lonzo ball fit at the true point. So if you bring in a guy like that, maybe they are closer to that playoff spot. Cause this roster is far from perfect. Even last year when John Pax and Gar Foreman and Jim Boylan kept talking on media day, the entire time. You mean the trifecta? And, <laughs> oh yeah. The trifecta. Sure. The perfect. The, the axis of excellence. Yes, exactly. The, the, the greatest minds in the world. Yeah. <laughs> those three. I listened to all of media day last year. Cause I interned at NBC sports, Chicago. My job for that day 
was to log media day. I listened to that entire press conference. You kept hearing, we have a playoff ready roster. We're going to prepare like we're a playoff team. I agree. They have a playoff ready roster for the eight seed. And that's just because it's the Eastern conference. So you bring in a guy like Alonzo ball who fills your true point guard need. And he's having a pretty decent year this year. I think they can be in stronger contention for that eight seed because they're nine and 13 right now. They could easily be 13 and nine. If ball bounces the other way, the referees don't blow two calls. Golden state game, the magic game. There's been a, the, the, the Portland, Portland trail, game with I the mean, jump ball. On. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've had some bad breaks. If those break the other way, we're talking about a bulls team that's in really good position to make the playoffs. They're close to a playoff team, but to become like a contender per se. And when I say that, I mean, contend for a title. There's a long way to go, but baby steps get in the playoffs. And I think they just need a couple pieces to get to that point. Yeah. And execution has been an issue in those final couple of minutes, but you still have a young team and that's to be expected. And we're going to that doesn't know how to win. Right. And that's, Garf- what, that's what Donovan keeps saying. They don't know how to win. They've lost so many games. They don't know how to win. They don't know how to win. And, and then the other issue too, is I've always felt like that this team has some interesting pieces. We're going to get into veterans and the impact that they've had on this team, which I think has been wildly underrated this season. But also when you lose a guy, as you mentioned, like Wendell Carter, and now when you're going to lose a guy like Laurie Markkinen for the next two to four weeks, the, margin, the margin for error on this type of team is so razor thin that they just can't take those type of hits. As much as I love Thad Young at the top of the key distributing the basketball, he is not our five. You know what I mean? And we have to play him in those moments to try and, you know, fill the gap because, you know, Daniel Gafford is still a young, you know, bench rotational player at best. He can't carry that type of load right now. And that's just kind of what we're seeing with the Chicago Bulls team. Real quick, you brought up the Lonzo Ball thing, so I kind of want to stay here for a second. I'm a little bit on board with you. Now, Everyone wants to make fun of Lonzo Ball shooting, and rightfully so. The dude really can't shoot, but I think what you're thinking about, what I'm thinking about, is actually he could be quite an interesting service for the Chicago Bulls team. What I've loved the most about this Bulls team is, you know, if you look up the numbers, their offense is now top five, top eight right now in the league. Love that. Haven't seen that from a Bulls team in a long time. But the ball movement on a night-to-night basis is just so wildly different from what we've seen in seasons past under Jim Boylan. And I think we really need that guy like Alonzo Ball to bring the ball up the court and initiate that action. You know, Kobe White's handle bringing the ball up kind of makes me nervous a little bit. I don't think we want Zach Levine initiating the offense. A guy like Lonzo Ball, and look, don't get me wrong, I I actually, I really like Patrick Williams, and I want to ask you about him a little bit later, but, you know, you're wondering if Tyrese Halliburton would have been in that spot. Would they have taken him? Where would we be? But now the question is, can we have Patrick Williams and maybe eat our cake too with a guy like Lonzo Ball that can bring that ball up, take that load off a little bit, maybe move Kobe to the bench. I like Kobe White, but I think maybe his role might be the best off the bench right now. My question for you is, if we got Lonzo Ball, what kind of capital do you think they would want back? Who do you think they could you know, possibly throw in a trade to make the Pelicans interested? Well, I've thought a lot about that. And I think with the draft capital the Bulls have, I want to say they have all of their first round picks. Correct me if I'm wrong. All of their first round picks through 2026 and all but one second round pick through 2026. So the capital's there. I think Denzel Valentine putting up some decent numbers lately could make him an attractive trade piece because I'll be honest, kind of losing some faith in Denzel lately. Just the shot selection kind of worrying me. He kind of shot him out of a game. I want to say that was the Laker game. He kind of shot him out of that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love Denzel. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, his brother drew 
is an assistant coach at Loyola when I was there. I covered the basketball team. So I know Drew really well. I got to meet Denzel a couple of times. Great guy. But I, as a, from a basketball standpoint, might be time to think about throwing him into a trade package. And he's creating so value for himself right now. I mean, true yeah, value for the first time perhaps in his NBA career. He dropped 20 the other night against the Magic. Mm-hmm. And he's starting because you're down Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter. So he was getting some starter minutes. Maybe he could be a good piece in there. But if you bring in a guy like Lonzo, and this is why I hate that I'm talking myself into it because I mean his shot. I mean that is a funky shot that he does when he like he gets underneath or whatever he does. That's ins- I don't know I don't know how he does it, and he's still averaging what 12 points a game or something like. Yeah, I don't. It blows my mind. I'm looking at it more from a facilitator standpoint. I get what you're saying about putting Kobe White on the bench. I was kind of on that train last year when he was a rookie. Like okay, let him see the game unfold. Let him jump in and fit into the rhythm. Maybe that could work. But also, moving him to the two-guard spot and put Lonzo at the point, Kobe doesn't have to worry about facilitating anymore. He can just, okay, he's going to pass you the ball. You can score. Like, have him focus on scoring. And maybe that'll help improve because I've been disappointed with, I mean, along with many others, with how Kobe White's done this year. And it's not like he's terrible, but I expected more. I expected more of a leap forward. There's still plenty of time left for it. But if you bring in a facilitator at the true point, let Kobe be shoot first instead of trying to pass first. I think his game's going to go to a different level. Well, and his game might reflect more of what I think got us excited last year, where I felt like at times Jim Boylan just kind of put Kobe White in the game on that second unit and said, hey, dude, we need you to score. And that is all we're really going to ask you to do. So it was just, you know, dribble drive, jump shot, you know, open three types, you know, take a three-pointer here and there, drive to the bucket, try and score. Now, Billy Donovan's asking him to do something completely different, which I'm, you know, which is facilitate, pass the ball, work within this offense. And I think that's where we've seen the struggles. The turnovers have been wildly, you know, out of control for him. And maybe you're right, taking the ball out of his hands a little bit and just kind of putting him in that role of what he's really good at, which I just think is, is honestly that scoring, you know, that corner three right there, that little floater, the drive to the hoop, that type of stuff is I think where Kobe White can thrive. Yeah. And even, like I said, put him at the two, like if you want to go positionless, put Zach at the three, keep Patrick Williams at the four. Like you can have kind of a small ball lineup that would work really well. And that's why I think like the more I think about it, the more I talk about it two years ago, I'd have laughed and hated the idea of Lonzo ball in a Mm -hmm. bulls uniform. Now thinking about it with the roster makeup, the coaching staff that's in place, the offensive scheme, maybe it's not so bad after all. I keep saying I wouldn't hate it if they did it. I don't know if I'm going to sit here and defend it, but I wouldn't hate it. But I keep talking myself into it more and more the more I talk about it. Yeah, and it's one of those, you know, in the past years, Chris Paul, you know, the money's too big. You can't bring him in. But, you know, they do need that dominant ball handler who every single night is totally content taking four or five shots a night and just dishing the rock around, keeping it moving right now. And that's our our best asset. Now, with our ball movement right now, do we make an extra pass maybe one too many times? Sure. Do we get a little overzealous with it? But I think that is actually the real, that's been the real bright spot of this Billy Donovan's office offense so far this year is that that not just the drive and kick, but they've executed pick and rolls better than they ever had. They've had great ball movement. They're starting to find open shooters right now, and I think they need to add to that, maybe not so much take away from that. Pivot real quick to that Lori Markkinen news. Really tough, two to four weeks. Guy was playing good basketball. 
I mean, his three-point shot was the best I think it's ever looked in the NBA. He had moments where he was driving in the lane, in the paint with authority, you know, finishing strong. I think he was averaging 19 a game at the time when he's hurt now. Now it's two to four in two to four weeks with a right shoulder that, you know, who's to say, is it going to be four weeks? Could it be longer? Can he re-aggravate that injury? You know, what's your take on, you know, wh- where should Bulls, where should the Bulls organization feel about Mar- Lowry marketing right now? Well, on Sunday during my live show, I was saying they need to keep him and maybe start looking at an extension, but then he got hurt. And now Again. I'm sitting here going, you don't know what's going to happen now. Cause anything with a shoulder, like shoulder, back, knee, stuff like that worries me. Like, yes, it's just a sprain. I, I don't want to say just a sprain, but you don't know, like, how's he going to recover from the sprain? Is, is he going to have to change his shot? Was he starting to change his shot because he was playing hurt? Is that going to impact his mechanics going forward? There are a lot of factors here, but the bigger picture, as big as the injury is, because Lowry was having a great year, which I keep saying, I, I predicted that. I said he would take a leap under Billy Donovan, and he did. Good call. The, the bigger picture is, you're down two starters now because you lost Wendell Carter. He should be coming back in the next couple of weeks or so. And, that's, and, and your big boys too. These, these are your biggest, these are your biggest inside guys on the team. Exactly. So you've lost your, your starting center. And as much as I love Daniel Gafford, he can't start. I, I don't like him in the starting lineup, but you have to, especially now that you're down Lowry. Now who's going to go into the starting lineup. Do you start Denzel Valentine? I'm not sure about that. Does Thad Young start? Does he come off the bench? Who knows? The Luke Cornette button. <laughs> the Luke Cornette button. Or where's Cristiano Felicio? Give me, give me, give me Robert Horry. Give me yeah, Robert yeah. Horry. Put the Felicio I, bat signal up quick. Okay. Now you're, now you've gone too far. You've gone too, <laughs> I can handle the Luke Cornette jokes. You start bringing up Felicio. I'm glad you didn't say Archie Diacono too, but no, I mean, you've got a starting lineup question now and you can bring it. Like, do you bring a veteran presence? Do you go small? Do you keep starting Patrick Williams? Does he get bumped because you're trying to move different pieces around? It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I'm very curious to see what the starting lineup is going to look like tonight. Cause I mean, that's look at the defense since Wendell Carter got hurt. It hasn't been there. Like, yeah, Lowry's a defensive liability. So that's been one thing. Like when Wendell went down, Lowry's had to try and step up defensively. Hasn't quite done it yet. Daniel Gafford. Again, I love him. Defensive liability. So defense is, he, it has suffered big time since Wendell went down now losing Lowry on the offensive end. I don't want to say it's a recipe for disaster, but it doesn't bode well considering they're nine and 13. So close to that eight seed playoff spot. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. That's why maybe they'll make a move at the trade deadline outside of a true point guard. Who knows in the micro, obviously I'm in agreement with you. It's going to hurt wins and losses. But for me personally, coming into this season, I wasn't so much looking at wins and losses with this bulls team. That's now run by Billy Donovan. I was just doing looking at games. I wanted Wendell Carter to play as many games as possible. Give us a feel of who he is and how he can grow as an NBA player. The exact same with Laurie Markkinen. We needed to see him stay healthy on the court, play as many games in a row. He's up for RFA in the, in the offseason, right? So now you, you're going to be making decisions and maybe you're going to be letting outside elements create a market for him that you're not necessarily prepared to maybe foot the bill for. And my question for you is, Laurie Markkinen, seven-foot, 40% three-point shooter. Do you feel like that he's got the long-term wherewithal to bang in the paint and stay healthy moving forward? Or unfortunately, is it a situation where I like Laurie, talented guy, good guy, but is he maybe more of a tweener? And that makes it a little bit harder for the Bulls to make a decision on him long-term moving forward. 
That's a complicated question because I want to see how he bounces back from this injury. If he can bounce back well from a shoulder sprain, I'll feel a lot better about the situation. But until then, I'm really not sure. Because on one hand, he's young, he's athletic, he can shoot. He's a, a really good stretch four, which is becoming invaluable in today's NBA. Look at Julius Randle. Granted, Julius Randle's like, he's much bigger, but same position. That's how I'm comparing position speaking. You need a stretch four like that. And Lowry can be, not sure on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, he can be there. So from that standpoint, maybe you think about keeping it. But again, the injuries, the defense, maybe the defense will come. It's a matter of how he bounces back from this latest injury. If his numbers dip, you got to have a serious conversation. I'm really glad that it's Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley making this decision and not Gar Foreman and John Paxson because they'd be saying, Keep Lowry, that's our guy. That's Amen. our guy. We're going to have yeah. him. And now we've got Karnaschovas and Eversley, and you'll hear them, okay, we're going to look at this from a black and white standpoint. They took their time with Jim Boylan. They took their time with other moves in the offseason. They're going to take their time making a decision on Lowry Markkinen. And I have much more confidence with these two that they'll make the right decision over the last two guys that were in charge. Here, here, and amen to that. And I think it really is just going to come down to, and that's why I wanted to see Laurie play as many games as he possibly could this year is it's going to be an $80 million question, right? And that it's going to be an 80 to $90 million deal. And you got to ask yourself, can this player fill out that contract? It's okay if you say to yourself, you know, I love Laurie, but he's a $50 million player over, you know, three years, four years, instead of the four for 82, you got to make those decisions. And that might affect his future on the Chicago bulls moving forward. Talk about a guy who's looking and steering more closer to a future with the Chicago bulls. Let's talk about Zach Levine a little bit. This is a guy and we have, we've never talked to you know each other before. So I'm gonna give you a little background on how I feel about him at the time. I hated the Jimmy Butler trade. It still doesn't sit super great with me, but we live in reality now. Bygones be bygones. I digress. Zach Levine for me was a stat stuffer. He was a guy that would put up 39 in a night when you'd lose by 25 points. But this season, in my opinion, I don't want to say I've done a 180 on him, but what can I say? Maybe like a 110 on him right now. I mean, he has really impressed me a lot this season. The numbers are up. The shooting is up. The assists are up. There's been moments. And as we mentioned, let's just go back to this last week. I really almost like what Zach Levine did in that first magic game where he had more assists than shots through the first three quarters and then came out and scored what 20, 25 points in the fourth quarter, almost led us back to a victory for me. That's the type of leadership. And that's the type of guy that you want on your team. I'm not saying he's a true number one, but playing in an NBA where he could be a true number two, I'm starting to kind of come around on that a little bit. And then he backed up that performance with 39 points the next night against the Orlando Magic. What's your take on Zach Levine so far through uh, this part of the season? Well, I'll disagree with you. At the time, I liked the Jimmy Butler trade. I actually wrote about that when I was at the Loyola Phoenix, the student newspaper at Loyola. Uh, it was one of my first columns I ever wrote. Was uh, and real actually, quick, what did, yeah, what did you like about it real quick? I At the time, I liked it was time to move on from Jimmy. I mean, it was just time that was the front office and the coaching situation. It was time. I thought Zach Levine could be a guy you could build around. And I did. I liked Lowry Markkinen out of the draft. Didn't really care for Chris Dunn all that much. And that kind of proved to be true. But between Zach and Lowry in that trade, I'm like, okay, you know what? You can build around these guys. They're rebuilding. They'd be good pieces. I mean, they're not going to be end all be all because I mean, Zach's not a number one. I mean, even with the numbers he's putting up now, he's not a number one 
if you want to contend. So I, I agree with you. He could be a strong number two. And that's why, like, the numbers he's putting up now, could he be trade bait? Absolutely. You've heard the rumors with the Knicks. But, and I was reading Casey Johnson at NBCSportsChicago.com the other day, writing about it's time to extend Zach Levine, not trade Zach Levine. Like, keep him as a strong number two and then bring in the guy. Because, I mean, you've got Zach in-house. Like, you don't have to go trade for him. You have him. So if you bring in a strong number one or just someone who can – He's a solid number one, could turn into like the guy. I'm, I'm not talking like Anthony Davis or Giannis, like not that caliber, but someone like say. Well, he's the Chris Middleton. He's the Chris Middleton yeah. to the Giannis. You know what I mean? Right. And Chris Middleton's not a bad player. I Ooh, really like Chris yes. Middleton. So like maybe Chris Middleton and Zach Levine, like a combo like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's speak in La La Land here. You bring in a guy like Chris Middleton and if he and Zach can work together, that'd be a good one-two punch to the point where I think you could win a lot of games. So that could maybe be Zach's role going forward. Again, he's not the top guy. I know he wants to be. He's not. And maybe he can get there. But as we sit here now, solid number two. For me, I just really like what he's tried to do, right? You say all the things, I want to be the number one. But I just haven't seen it from him on the court until probably this year where he has. Now, look, shot selection in the final four minutes of games, we can still have that conversation. Sometimes it's been actually pretty solid. Other moments, it looks like old Zach Levine, which I could perhaps probably do without. But, you know, these are the moves that you have to consider. If I am if I figure this out correctly, I think if they extend him now, it's a $150 million deal. If they wait for him to hit free agency, that become, it becomes a $190 million deal. You can save some money on that end. You're going to get that money from Otto Porter coming off the books. You're going to get that Felicio money finally off the books a little bit. The Bulls are going to have money to spend. So if Zach Levine is your, you know, ipso de facto number two guy, as you mentioned, you can go hunting for that big dog. You can go hunting for that true number one out there. And even if you don't get, as we mentioned, the Giannis is, you know, the top five or six guys. If you pair, you know, a Chris Middleton at that type of player, a CJ McCollum, for example, pair him with a Zach Levine, you get a little progress from Pat, uh, Patrick Williams you're kind of cooking with something all of a sudden. And now you're playing with depth in an Eastern conference that isn't necessarily big. Well, you know, Brooklyn just changed all that, but the East typically hasn't really been big on just, you know, stars. It's kind of been a little bit more based on depth. You can kind of build a roster right there and go forward with something. And I just like to see, I just like what Zach Levine's been doing in this Billy Donovan offense. I want to see more of it. And right now he's turning me right now. I'm, I'm getting more impressed by him and I kind of want to see him stick around. Well, and the, the big difference with Zach Levine now, his first year, I want to, I think if I'm remembering this right, was this the, that was the year after his first year at the bulls was the year after the Dwayne Wade Rajon Rondo year, I believe. Correct. And he didn't so play. He came been, back for the final 20, 25 yeah. games. So yeah. he was coming off an ACL injury. So that was with Fred Hoiberg as coach. Uh, see, if you, see if you know where I'm going with this. The next year, Hoiberg gets fired in December. So he's working with Jim Boylan then in the near mutiny that started toward the end of that year. And then last year under Jim Boylan, another lost year because I didn't, Jim Boylan was just not a good coach. I don't think I'm saying anything out of line when I say that Jim Boylan just didn't cut it as a head coach. It's going to go back in time. I can say it, Nick. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say it. It's going to go back in time as I think one of the worst decisions in Chicago sports, or at least in Chicago Bulls history. I'm not going to go Chicago sports history because they at least got out of it 
with enough time. I think all the time watching this Bulls team right now, what the hell I was watching last season. And I'm just praying and just thanking the heavens that there isn't irreparable damage on Kobe White's game, on Laurie Markkinen's game, on Zach Levine's game, because all these guys, Kobe's, Kobe's 20 years old. For all these guys, they haven't been ruined and poisoned by the offense that they had to play in last season with Jim Boylan, the pick and roll gambling that they did all, all you know, all day long. It's just been a night and day performance between Billy Donovan and Jim Boylan. So I, I can say it, man. It was, it was an abject disaster, and you can really see the difference, crystal clear between a professional run basketball outfit and what Jim Boylan was trying to do with the rah rah. The, the ladders, the gases, we're going to practice harder than everyone else. Like if you build it, they will come. Yes. All, you know, it, brother, like all that <laughs> stuff, you know, the macho man, the macho man, Randy Savage stuff. So I, I'm certainly just, I'm happy that they were able to get out of it and nothing, you know, you know look at what just Thaddeus young, you yes. know, Thaddeus, Thaddeus young was a pro, a pro that we signed to a deal who I thought was going to help us. And me, you know, I I'm, I'm a Bulls fan. I'm outside the organization. I don't know what's going on. Thad Young all season long just bitched and moaned about either the system being on the team or not being traded. Right. And you're kind of like, man, this veteran's kind of a malcontent. Like, what's the deal? And then you watch him this season. He's been amazing, right? Flirting with triple doubles every once in a while, making great passes, everyone rallying around him. He's got a personality. He's the veteran presence. I mean, this is really kind of the stuff that we're talking about how direly bad it got with Jim Boylan last year. And that leads me into what I was saying with Zach. This is the first time in Zach Levine's Bulls career he has a head coach. No disrespect to Jim Boylan, and he didn't play that long under Fred Hoiberg. This is the first time Zach Levine has had a coach yes, who wants him to get better and will work with him to get better offensively. And maybe Billy Donovan could be that guy. Get that spark. Maybe Zach could still be that number one guy. Maybe we haven't seen his full potential because of the lost years these last few years. The biggest difference is having a guy like Billy Donovan there to work with Zach. And there's a player development department. Now it used to be just one guy was the player development staff. It was one dude. Now they have a whole staff dedicated <laughs> to player development and it is making a world of difference. You've already seen it. Uh, you know, Hey Nick, um, I'm wondering if you can introduce me to the Chicago bulls uh, scouting team. You're like, Oh yeah. It's that guy, Carl over there. You're like, wait, <laughs> Scouting team. Was, no, no. Yeah, it's just Carl. One dude. Yeah, just go talk to him over there. I swear to God, Joey. So I was talking, to, I, I did an interview with Chuck Swirsky a couple months ago for my radio show. And he even said, like, we had one guy in player development. Now there's a whole staff for player development. You're already seeing the difference. I mean, even with the veterans, look at Thaddeus Young. And with the rookies, I love Patrick Williams. I am driving the Patrick Williams hype train. Like, I think the player development has taken a leap already. I mean, we're only in, it's February, their first season, and you're already seeing a difference. And I really, I think the combination, especially of Billy Donovan and Maurice Cheeks, Mo Cheeks, he kind of flies under the radar with how his teams do when he's coaching. He's been on some great staffs over the years. He's a bigger piece than people think to the success that Billy Donovan's had in the NBA and how different players have had in the NBA. So there's a lot going for Zach right now with this new regime. And I, I, he needs to be an all-star. He should have been last year. The bulls were laughably bad last year, which I think is part of the reason why he wasn't now make him an all-star. 
Yeah, I think this year legitimately he deserves all-star, at least yes. heavy, heavy, heavy consideration, if not being on the team himself, especially for a team now that's been in the doldrums for several seasons and might be playing for maybe some postseason games. I know that doesn't sound like a lot in the NBA, but for Bulls, fans, Bulls fans, that means a ton to us. I want to hear more about Patrick Williams. I'm loving it too, man. My nickname for him is Flower Power, uh, based on his Flower draft Power. night. <laughs> so I want to just get your take on... Think sports has been so unprecedented this season. No college basketball. Really hard to kind of gauge these athletes coming into this NBA draft. So it's easy to get cynical and it's easy to get glib about it. I remember on draft night, I'm sitting there. I'm hoping for like Denny Adiva. I'm thinking Tyrese. Denny Adiva was my he was my guy. Yeah, I said all Tyrese along Halliburton. I wanted to take Denny Adiva. So we're sitting there at four, and they take this kid, Patrick Williams. So I'm upset at first. And then they roll the video. So you're like, all right, we're going to see some basketball highlights of Patrick Williams, right? No, no, no. They run a package about how him and his family run a flower business together. And we all looked at each other and we're like, oh, man, this ain't good. But, dude, flower power, flow poems, I said. I really like what I've seen a lot. You know, you're not really seeing it necessarily in the box score outside of the last three games. He's had a really great week over the past week, hoping that it continues. But just talk about what are the aspects of his game that you like a whole lot? And, you know, were you upset about it on draft night? Were you okay with that pick? Has he surprised you at all? Where are you on Patrick Williams? Well, to give you some context, draft day, I also work part-time at the country club I'm a member at. It's about 20 minutes north of me. My my boss is the PGA pro up there, the certified pro. And he uh, he and I were talking NBA draft because we're both basketball guys. Like, okay, it's draft night. Who's going to take who? And I want to say he's a Florida State guy because I, I should have been on my phone during work, but I was. I was getting alerts about, like, what's going on? Who are the Bulls going to take tonight? And I asked him, okay, you ever heard of Patrick Williams? I'm hearing his name. It's the first time I've ever heard his name mentioned. It was on draft morning. And he's like, you know, I follow Florida State. The name doesn't really ring a bell. And then that night, they took Patrick Williams. And yeah. I, I go in the next day. I'm like, Marty, you've got you've to know who I'm talking about here. He's like, yes, I did know. I forgot in the moment. I did know. He's going to be good. I went and watched some film. I do know Leonard Hamilton's style a little bit. So I went and did a deep dive in Patrick Williams. I love it. The more I think, the more I thought about it, the more I loved it. And you're seeing it now 20 points against the magic and then a double double against the magic. I think this weekend was a coming out party for him. And he got high praise from LeBron James saying he's Kawhi like almost. You heard those comparisons in the draft and you hear the guys on TV like, Oh, he's a Kawhi Leonard type of player. Yeah, how many times are they right about that? You hear LeBron James say it after Patrick Williams guarded LeBron James and did a really good job guarding LeBron a week after guarding Giannis really well. I was going to say his assignments. He's gotten, he's guarded yeah. Luka. He guards Giannis. You know, he, yeah. he'll get Kawhi. He'll get LeBron. I love that. And that's what Billy Donovan says. He's like, I'm throwing him in the deep end and hoping he swims. And he's swimming just fine. I really like what I'm seeing out of him on defense. He needs some more confidence on offense. He hesitates a little bit shooting the three, or he'll hesitate with the three, fake it and drive for his 21-foot pull-up, which is lethal. It works, but he needs confidence. He's been playing with more confidence lately, and the numbers are showing it. I am all in on Patrick Williams. I am too. I love the frame. He's got really like thick legs for a 20-year-old kid, which I don't know if that sounds sexy to anyone. It's not. I just think it works good for NBA basketball. I get, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but he can handle he can he handle with both hands. He can bring the ball up with his left and his right. He can, you know, take a take a rebound, take it up half court, make an outlet pass. I like his shot a lot better than I thought I was going to. When he drives to the hole, it's not this kind of 
I'm just going to throw my whole body weight into a situation. There is a sense of control when he tries to drive to the rim. Yeah, he's got that little floater already that I like a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's just all details, really, at this point, and obviously getting more confidence to be more offensively assertive. Yeah, confidence. Yeah, it's the, all up here. Because the footwork, right? Like, he's had a couple of travels where, as you mentioned, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll fake the three and he'll try and drive, but he's moving his feet already. Well, and you have to remember turnovers. that he's, he's only 19 years old. I know, it's crazy. He's got, plenty, he's got plenty of time. But no, to put it in perspective, Joey, if this was a year ago, I, so I went back and forth with my, my, one of my buddies who was also named Nick, I promise. I'm not talking about myself in the third person here. Nick went to Iowa State, and he's a big Tyrese Halliburton guy. And he retweeted about what Tyrese Halliburton did for the Kings the other night. I think he mentioned something about the Bulls. And I said, if this was last year, I'd be really upset if they took Kobe White over Tyrese Halliburton. But I really like Patrick Williams. That puts it in perspective. Like, would it be nice to have a guy like Tyrese Halliburton who can score at will, put up the big numbers? Yes, absolutely. But you've got a guy like Patrick Williams. Yes, he's a, he's a project for all intents and purposes because he's raw talent. You develop him well, and so far, so good. I think he's going to be a sleeper in this year's draft. Yeah, and his ceiling is like a an IMAX movie theater, right? It can go in so many different directions, and it can go as high as we possibly want it hey, to. The wise, the wise man named Michael Jordan once said his ceiling is the roof. <laughs> is, that, is that Yogi Berra? Are you sure Yogi Berra didn't say that? I know Michael Jordan said it in North Carolina one time. I love it, yeah, and I just really like the direction that he's heading in. Just play that dude more minutes. Just keep him out there. Keep him learning from guys. I do want to ask you, we, we touched a little bit on the veterans, touched a little bit on Thad Young. Out of, all, out of that group of veterans, kind of that bench mob of professionals that's coming out and sort of helping this young Bulls team, who surprised you perhaps the most out of that group so far this year? Garrett Temple, hands far, down. Right? I knew he'd be a good signing from a veteran standpoint, and I hate using the phrase because Matt Nagy uses it a lot, and I hate it, but it works here. He's good in the room. He's really good locker room guy, good leader. Doesn't really put up the numbers, but he's good from a leadership standpoint. When he's out on the court late in games, the Bulls are way more composed. And there was, was it the Knicks game or the Blazers game within the last couple of weeks? He wasn't out there until about 30 seconds left. And the Bulls lost the lead, lost the game. Having him out on the court, he's a calming presence. And again, he's good in the huddles. You've heard Billy Donovan talk about that. Like in the huddles, Garrett Temple and Thaddeus Young are very vocal. So having him in the huddles, yeah, he doesn't put up the numbers. But just from a purely team standpoint, like player-centric standpoint, I love what I'm seeing out of Garrett Temple. He's been a valuable addition to this team. In your expert opinion, we've been talking a lot, you know, and rightfully so. A lot of compliments heading towards the Chicago Bulls team right now. I tell you, the last three or four years, they've been so unwatchable for me. A lot of people, we got jobs. We're working so hard. Sometimes you get a night off. You come home on a Tuesday night. You want to watch some Bulls basketball. You turn it on. Ooh, I'm a little bit late. It's the second quarter. Oh, they're down by 28. We've seen that so many times over the last several years. This Chicago Bulls team, if you have not watched it out there, listeners, is wholly different. They're competitive on a nightly basis. They move the ball. They like each other. They got veteran guys in the team that you know, really help prop up these young guys. The young guys are kind of sort of taking the reins, trying to take those big shots in games. A lot of excitement, right? Again, they're still under 500. So in your expert opinion, just moving forward in this next month of basketball, you know, what do you think Bulls fans should expect? How do we properly properly calibrate our expectations moving forward for this Bulls team? It's a good question. I want to say it's going to be a roller coaster because it will. 
we mentioned it before. It seems like they take one step forward, two steps back. Now they keep bouncing back. They got beat by Damian Lillard at the buzzer. That should have happened. It should have been a jump ball, but don't get me started on it. They bounce back to beat the Knicks next game. Lose a tough one to the Knicks. They lose to the Magic. They should have won. They bounce back and just dismantle the Magic. The fact that they're bouncing back like they are is a good sign. There's going to be a lot of inconsistency. That's okay. That's a good part of the schedule here coming up. They've got the Wizards tonight on Monday. I want to say they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite, sticking with the betting theme here. They're favored by four They've been and a half. great against the spread, by the way. This they have been. They've been a fantastic value yes. play. They hit every over, almost every yes. over. except Well, for- that's the NBA. <laughs> okay. Well, that's true. but <laughs> That's the NBA. The, the, a lot of defense in the league this year, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But- it's been stout. It's been stingy. <laughs> oh, Oh yeah, it's very similar to the ninety to the nineties yeah. when they t- tight defense, man. It was yeah, we oh. held them. To, we <laughs> held them to one sixteen. Yeah, real quick, I, I I had this comment with my friends the other days. How funny is it? Where now you said you were born in nineteen ninety eight. Yep. When you were born, the thing that pissed us off as fans more than anything else was that the games were like the seventy six to seventy one playoff games drove us nuts, and now unfortunately the one thirty eight to one thirty five drives us <laughs> just as nuts. We it's can't a double-edged a, sword, man. Can't get a middle. Can't get a middle part in there. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. But no, they got an easy. Bulls got an easy part of the schedule coming up here. I don't want to say easy. A favorable part of the schedule coming up here. They've been run through the gauntlet because they had the Bucks and the Lakers. Tough, tough first in a month, week. Man. They had, tough yeah, first I mean, but that's the best way to learn with a young team. Throw, beat them to the Wolves. I think they beat the Wizards tonight because the Wizards play oh-so-great defense, and that's just a great situation down there. You know, Bradley Beal dropping 40 a night, and they still lose. <laughs> no, I, I, I like this part of the schedule. There's going to be ups and downs, because, again, they're a young team. I told you, I'm, I'm 22. I'm the same age or older than three members of the starting lineup. It just puts it in perspective. Temper the expectations. I still say eight seed in the East. I'm not backing down from that. And I think this next month is going to be crucial to getting a playoff spot. I think this next month is right out there for them where they can come into March, hopefully with a head full of steam and they can maybe get a little bit healthier. Now this is all contingent on if they lose another guy, you know, auto Porter's been out for a couple of games. It hasn't really hurt them that badly, but you know, if they lose, if auto Porter still is out, Wendell Carter's out, Laurie Markkinen's out and they lose another guy. Let's be real bulls fans. It's going to get really tough. Right. And that's just kind of the way it goes. And that's how it is a lot of times with a lot of sports. They just don't have that depth to take those kinds of hits and move forward. But man, I'm right. I'm right there with you. It's just, it's a watchable team on a night to night basis. You know, they really like playing with each other. I just love what Billy Donovan's done. It's like a whole new era of Chicago Bulls basketball. and just has me excited. We only got a couple more minutes here with Nick Schultz, the new host of Believe in Bulls and the Believe Podcast Network. So happy to have him here with us. What would you rather have? Or I could phrase it as this. What, what do you think would probably give the Bulls most consistent, sustained success the rest of the season? The Bulls continue to be the top eight offense that they've been for pretty much the first 20 games this season, something that Bulls fans haven't seen in a long time. Or the Bulls defense comes back to the pack, and I'm not saying gets to top 10 defense. That's insane. But, you know, just goes from the mid-20s into maybe the high teens, mid-teens in the 15-16 area. What do you think perhaps gives them the best chance for long longevity and success this season? Well, first off, once they get Wendell Carter back, I think the defense is just going to come back to what it was before he got hurt. Not saying top 10, like you said, but it'll be better. I'm actually going to take a back door on this one. I see a third option. 
cut down on the turnovers. Oh my God, please. Can the turnovers. We? Oh my goodness. The amount of turnovers. It's just insane. They, they play themselves out of games because they turn the ball over and the other teams turn those turnovers into points. Always. But, so that's why I say like they're nine. And or 13, we foul on the other end. We make a yeah. foul because we're in transition and we can't get back on transition D and. Yeah. I mean, part of that's maturity. I mean, that's going to happen with a youth movement like this, but if they can cut down on the turnovers, it, they're going to be leaps and bounds better. You're going to see much more consistency. And I think part of that has to go back to what we talked about earlier, bring in a true point, let Kobe white move to a shoot first two guard instead of having him try and facilitate as a point guard. Cause let's face it. He's not a true point guard. I, I, that seems to be the consensus with how he's doing this year. His numbers are down. And that's okay, he's right? he's trying to be a true point. And that, the turnover has been a product of a lot of things, product of young players on the floor, product of trying to implement a new system with a ton of ball movement, trying to implement a system where, as you mentioned, Kobe White, you know, his his ball handling just isn't where it needs to be or where I thought it was going to be coming out of, uh, out of uh, you know, college. And that's okay, right? But you have to sort of calibrate that and sort of ask yourself, you know, how do we move away from that? And yeah, for God's sakes, 17 turnovers a game, Holy moly, man. Even, even in the last couple of weeks, Billy Donovan's just like what he called the timeout in the first 52 seconds of a game, just because he got a whiff of that sloppy play that we've seen from them where, man, the Bulls can go get up by 12 points just as easily as any other team in the NBA. They can just give it back just as quickly and they can do it in like four possessions. And as you're mentioning, it's all really based on, you know, taking care of the basketball. You see, I don't mind the early timeouts. Like if he wants to call a timeout, if he gets even a hint that something's going wrong, do it. I'd rather have that than have them go five minutes of really bad basketball before he's like, you know what? Screw it. Call a timeout. I'd rather have it in the first minute, get everything under control and come out of the timeout really well. Like they, they did the first time when he called it after what, 52 seconds or that, was that what it was? Whatever it was. So yeah, it was when like he, within the first minute. Right. When they came out of that, they were a different team. Like I'm cool with calling an early timeout. It's not like when Jim Boylan was there, they'd be down 30 with, a minute left. No, I'm going to call timeout. Why? Like, what's the point of that? These timeouts have a purpose and they seem to be working because you have a competent guy in charge. And it's really nice. It's really nice. I'm a huge Billy yes. Donovan fan. And I don't know I if it's too. because we've been eating cat food and all of a sudden they give us a ham sandwich and that ham sandwich is so delicious, <laughs> but I want to give Billy Donovan a lot more credit. He probably is a little bit more than that, right? He's, he's a nice turkey club on a nice afternoon lunch. Would you say something like that? I'd say so. See, I, I like Billy Donovan since he was at Florida. So I've, I've heard Billy Donovan's name for a long time. And when he went to the NBA, I'm like, okay, I like this. And when he was, when he was first available, I made the comment, okay, give him a call. I don't know if you're going to get him. Just give him a call. Do your due diligence. You're going to hire Wes Unsell Jr., whoever. Just make a call. When the announcement came out that they hired him, I about dropped my phone. That's, that's right? huge getting a guy like that because of what he did in Oklahoma City. He went to five straight playoffs with five different rosters. If he can do that, he can handle this Bulls team. And so far, he's lived up to the challenge. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, big fan. And hopefully, he becomes like that. I, I don't want to say iconic, but he becomes one of those like, you know, those placeholders in Chicago sports of like, ah, that's Billy Donovan, that's our Chicago Bulls coach, that's our guy. Want to get you out of here, dude. We could talk forever. I'm having such a great time talking to you, but I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Let's do one quick lightning round. One lightning round question. Name me one Chicago Bulls player who is not on the team after the trade deadline, or they stand pat. You can answer that as well. I think they'll take calls. And I really, I really think like the rumors about Lonzo Ball are true. 
The thing is, I don't know. Again, I don't know what the package would be. If you're putting me on the spot, I'm going to say Denzel Valentine because his value is going up. And again, I think it's time for a change anyway. I kind of been saying that on Twitter too. If you're making me choose, I'm going to say Denzel Valentine just because Larry Markkinen's hurt now. And I'm also curious too, as well, at some point with Otto Porter, would a team be willing to take on a couple months of his veteran presence and get that money off the books? And could we get anything back? That would be my other question. See, you were onto something there when you talked about the veteran presence. Then you brought up the money, and that's why I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him because that is so a much. hefty contract. It's what twenty-eight million, something like that. Yeah, that is insane. I mean, it's so, an expired, yeah, it's I, an I expiring deal, but yeah. And could you get value back because people will be taking that money in the books? That's why I sort of feel like right. the Bulls might not be doing anything at the trade deadline and might just see yeah. what we got the rest of the way. It's going to be a very interesting trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my final question for you, let's, let's go to broad Chicago sports just really quickly. What sure. makes you more nervous right now as a Chicago sports fan? First option is uh, Jonathan Taves' health on a Chicago Blackhawks team that honestly got off to a rough start but have been playing a little bit better. Maybe they found themselves a starting goalie in Lankanen. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, our captain, a guy who's won three cups, can't get on the ice right now due to a health issue, and we honestly don't really know what's going on with that. Does that make you more nervous? Uh, the other option, number two, is the Chicago Cubs uh, not spending money and feeling like they can field out a C-plus roster for a year, and they're still probably going to make a ton of money. Will that incentivize them or decentivize them to continue to approve the team in the seasons to come with their financial situation? Or number three, the Chicago Bears trading for Carson Wentz. What makes you more nervous as a Chicago sports fan? But the question is, which one makes you want to throw up more? I don't know if I, I don't know how I'd answer that. But the, the, the one that makes me get the bucket, please get the bucket for Mr. Yeah, Schultz. I'm, 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 I might need it. <laughs> oh my! Um, I think the one that makes me the most nervous is the Cubs, just because this was supposed to be the window of opportunity through 2021 when Theo Epstein was supposed to lead the contracts. Wow. Feldco windows on that window of opportunity, man. That it's sealed up. It makes me angry that the Cubs are operating like a small market team. I expected more after the World Series. The fact that Theo Epstein left when he did should have raised some questions looking back on it. But now that they're letting John Lester walk when they could have paid him later, apparently, because Tom Ricketts increased the payroll like three days after Lester signed with Washington, I think there's a lot going on with the Cubs that's worrying me. I don't know how it's going to go this year. I mean, I like Jock Peterson, but I, I don't know how this year's going to go. But going back to the Carson Wentz thing, that's a big swing on a guy who had a really bad year this year for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, who are basically fighting for their jobs this coming season. I'm really not sure how I feel seeing Carson Wentz in a Bears uniform. I'd rather have Derek Carr, but that's just me. If Carson Wentz is the guy, like, don't get me wrong, I'll root for him. I will never root against the quarterback for my team, but I don't know if I'd want him if I could handpick any of the guys available, you know? Yeah, and they're that's the rock and the hard places. Pace and Nagy are under the gun to do something this year and this year only. So it, there's a desperation there that doesn't really put the long-term look of the franchise um, at the forefront of what their priorities should be. And therefore, just that's trade the team for Deshaun Watson. That's it. Just that well, simple. Trade, I, look, trade everything. I'm, I'm a Deshaun Watson or bust guy personally. Yeah. The Carson Wentz, people flipping out over Carson Wentz over the weekend. My only uh, advice to those Bears fans out there would be just calm down for a second because there is a there is a world where that version of compensation to get two years of Carson Wentz 
would actually probably be amenable for me. And I can honestly say that Carson Wentz is better than Mitch Trubisky. Um, I would rather have him on the team than Nick Foles. Well, and, yeah. Yeah. So if we're dealing with those are, those are the realities. If we're saying we're not trading multiple first round picks for a Carson Wentz guy for the next two years, and you can put yourself in position to draft another quarterback, you know, maybe that's something that they have to do. That'd be the same story with Derek Carr. You know what I mean? There's, there's a world where his compensation if it was a certain price would make me excited to have him on the team. And there's a certain price that would make me be like, what the hell are we doing? And, you know, that's a little bit of where the Chicago bears are. And, um, you know, they probably should have just fired pace and Nagy and moved on. That's what a smart person would have done. Cause you know, have they won enough football games? No. Had they have gotten the quarterback position, right? No, but they've but got the right else. people, Joey. <laughs> they've got the right people. And, and that's you know what, apparently you know what, all Nick? that matters. You know what, Nick? They got football people. Those are yeah, those are football my football guys. guys. They got football guys. Oh my goodness! I wanted to bash my head into the wall. Listen to that press conference. Well, it, it, it's a scary. And then time. we had to hear Pace and Nagy right after. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> it's a scary time for Chicago sports, man. I'm telling you, after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, we we ended an era that from 2005 to 2016. And you got a chance to live it, man. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. I think it's the greatest Chicago sports era we've ever really gone through. And I just don't think we're realizing that now these past couple of years, it's not like that anymore. And it's changing. I think we're in a bit of a valley right now. And it, it, and it scares me. And when you've got a Chicago Cubs team that just won a world series that makes money hand over fist, every single season, they lose money one year and then they flip out and try and gut the franchise. Well, I mean, Tom Ricketts was crying poor last year too. He was crying cool. poor in like January of 19. Oh like, yeah. This is I, not just because of COVID. Like, yeah, no. And outside that's why of you blaming the pandemic, I'm like, don't blame the pandemic. You were crying broke a year and a half ago. Well, yeah. And outside of you, Darvish, you know, who, who did they really sign after they won the world series? Right. It was the Brandon morals of the world, the Daniel Descalso's. I mean, they never really took a big swing again. And if you look at that era, what is it? Lester Haywood and you Darvish are the only $100 million contracts they ever handed out. And we had supposedly had this core of young superstars and, and on and on and on. And, it's, you know, it's, it's disconcerting. And I just have a problem when there's a person that can make millions and millions of dollars every single year, if his profit margin isn't stabilized, he, he flips out, you know, and that, that there's a long-term goal when you own the Chicago Cubs, these are generations of people that will be ardent fans and will fill your bleachers and drink your old style and be in the neighborhood for years and years and years. And just to think that you lose 180 million one year means you got to you have to gut the team and you can't bring back, as you mentioned, John Lester on a contract for $4 million a year, but you can give Trevor Williams 2.5. Give Jack Peterson seven. Yeah. Jack Peterson seven, but Kyle Schwarber, you can't give 10. It just I'll tell you what doesn't line up. Once we can go to games again, I'm going to guaranteed rate. Hell I'll yeah. go watch Sox games. Cause I went to, I was, I'm a Cubs fan and I was at Dylan Cease's MLB debut. That oh, was great. I still have the scorecard from it. But no, the Sox are a fun team to watch. Like my one of my best friends is a big Sox fan. Like before COVID hit, we were gonna go to he were, we were gonna get like a 10 pack of tickets and just go to a bunch of games. And obviously that couldn't happen, but we're gonna make up for lost time once we can. And I'm gonna go to Sox games. They're it's a- more entertaining to watch. They've got I, I love Liam Hendricks. I love that signing. Yeah. And I think they're gonna overtake the Cubs as the talk of the town. Hey, it's a great ballpark. I get it. The neighborhood isn't surrounded by 4,000 bars and stuff like that and stuff to do. I understand all that, but I grew, I grew up, I'm, I'm both a White Sox and a Cubs fan. I know I'm weird. We'll have that conversation another pod another day, but we will. 
Yeah, we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> but you know what, man? I'll tell you this much. When I went, when I got into college and I got a job, I started saving money. And me and my dad, we we got season tickets. We didn't get season tickets for the Cubs because guess what? They're too damn expensive. Chicago White Sox mm-hmm. are still a baseball team. You know, just a couple, you know, what, a 25-minute train ride down the red line uh, away where we could go. And we had season tickets and had great seats and got to watch amazing baseball. We were lucky enough where they then won the World Series in, you know, 2005. And we cashed in on that. But, yeah, for people that are I, – I, I just don't get it, man. Like, that's going to be an exciting baseball team. I'm with you, man. And guess what? The tickets are probably going to be 24 bucks. They're not going to be 65 and 70 or whatever that you'll get at Wrigley. You know, we. I think that – uh, Wrigleyville and the Ricketts alone should at least pay attention to that. The White Sox are never going to own Chicago. That will never, ever happen. But they can steal it away for a couple of years. Let me tell you, we went to Dylan Cease's debut, 15 rows from the third base dugout, two of us. I think we got them for $75 a piece. Yes, that's great. 15, 15 rows back, Yes, big game, and it was Dollar Dog Day. It was awesome. Yeah, Nothing it was like, like it. it was a steal compared to Wrigley. I love the food at Guaranteed Rate. I'll be honest with you. That that elote corn that they've got there, like down along the line, I think that's great. Grab yourself a big herb beer if you are of age to enjoy that type of beverage. Go for it. But you know, no, it's a good time. And I didn't put them on the list because I think the White Sox are going to be maybe the silver lining to Chicago sports for at least uh, I don't know the next ten to fourteen months. We'll see what happens. Probably. <laughs> Nick Schultz, the new host of Believe in Bulls and the Believe Podcast Network. Nick, welcome to the team, man. So happy to have you on. Can't wait to watch your work and listen to your content. Uh, thank you so much for being on the pod today, man. Hopefully you're not a stranger. You can come on back. I uh, loved having you on. Hey, appreciate the time, Joey. This was a blast, man. We'll do this again sometime. Yes, please. Uh, this was Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. I am your host. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football season's over, but there's plenty of other sports like basketball going on right now, college basketball maybe in a month or so, and even baseball heading up. So head to BetOnline.ag today. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. we got a couple more great guests coming this week, so make sure you check it out. Until then, be well, be safe. Hey, be good to each other, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 